Welcome. It's the first episode ever of CityCast Houston. We're going to break down the most important, delightful, or interesting topics playing out in this city every day. Rice University has built a shiny incubator for high-tech companies. The ION is in the revamped old Sears building on Main Street that Rice University hopes to make the heart of a larger Houston tech hub. It's supposed to be a place where startups can get off the ground and find funding. Why doesn't everybody like that? I'm here with two of our CityCast contributors, architecture critic and curmudgeon Alan West and GitLab tech recruiter and man about town Marcus Carter. It's Tuesday, November 16th. I'm your host, Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. In your day job, you are a tech recruiter for GitLab. Marcus, are incubators like that common in other cities? I would say so. So like GitLab was funded by a venture capitalist firm in San Francisco. So other cities do have that type of infrastructure there to make sure that startups and different tech companies can get started. I see those in Austin as well. But I think that I've been particularly attracted to what's going on here in Houston because I think that it is a gap that's been here um, with the technology field. All right. So like, what do places like that look like in other cities? What I've seen, like, for instance, in San Francisco. So a lot of the venture capitalist firms or they'll they'll be like seed funding type incubators or that are sometimes in buildings. And so what they do is they kind of take people through from soup to nuts, like how to get started. So that's actually getting the investors. That's starting the recruiting. Okay, Alan, you're writing about the ION. And on Friday, I tagged along while you were touring it. What did you think? What did I think of the ION? Uh-huh. Do you want to go first, Lisa? <laughs> I have some thoughts. You have thoughts. Uh, I am liking it better than you do. So it's on the site of that, what I thought was like the ugliest Sears in the universe. So it was, I know that in the 1940s, this was a fabulous Art Deco building. In the 60s, they covered it with corrugated metal because they were afraid of riots. It was terrible. Yeah, it was, was oh, it was bad. And I do think what's there right now is better than what had been there. <laughs> no laughing. Sorry. <laughs> this is the ugliest series in the world. I like it better now. <laughs> <laughs> Glowing praise. Okay, it's a good building. I would go hang out there with my laptop. Uh, the interiors are by Gensler, which does, Gensler is an architecture firm that is kind of like the very safe alternative for any office culture. They will give you a lovely, light-filled place full of Aeron chairs and a good coffee set up. And I saw that. It looks okay. I think it will be kind of nice once they get it going. But I like it. I would go there. All right, now, your turn. I snuck back last night. Um... <laughs> In the cover of darkness? <laughs> it, it was during the gloaming, yeah. I wanted to see it at night. I, I, I wanted to see whether, how it worked if you were, you know, taking the train. So I positioned myself at the Wheeler Transit Center and I approached what really is the back of the building, right there on Wheeler. The Transit Center itself is, is kind of not user-friendly. You have to schlep across this sort of grass lawn at an angle toward the jack-in-the-box. But that's you know, where the corner would meet, where, so if you're taking the bus from, say, Third Ward into Montrose, you're greeted by the back of the building, the loading docks, a few signs, and then you have to literally walk all the way around to get into the building from the parking lot. 
So it's not transit oriented, but it is transit approximate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for Houston, that's huge, right? Um, but still, if you're saying you're transit oriented, do you want to be oriented toward the transit? Yeah, you know, it's like that CBS okay. one okay. stop up, right? It, it's 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 taunting you. It's <laughs> it's turning its door away from you. From the sidewalk, you're closer to the drive-through than the entrance. Mm. Okay, but at night it glows. It glows. It glows. It has that top. It's a light box, at least from the freeway. Yeah, I mean, it's... Is that your point? It's It's from the freeway. It's Houston, so, you know, things need to glow (laughs) at 60 miles per hour. Am I being too grouchy? Go on. Go on. What more do you think? You are allowed to be grouchy. It's, yeah, as you said, it's, it's, it's fine. (laughs) The big thing that I took away from it, as the more I thought about it, is that Rice spent a lot of money to make a WeWork. You mentioned Gensler, and it's just the, the building is just has a ubiquitous stylishness, right? There's the coffee setup, the plants sort of arranged everywhere to create a sense of biophilia. And you know, I do run my fingers through the pothos. It's it's a nice sensation. <laughs> <laughs> That's huge for Houston. I like coffee. I like plants. But the thing that I've been really thinking about is that social stare that had the pillows that we were sitting on underneath the glowing LED sign that says inclusion, right? And so Stephen Fox calls this a meme of our time. And so if you look at the Glassell School, if you look at the, the new HSPVA downtown, they have these social stairs where you're supposed to congregate. And um, he talks about the, the chance to sort of build a community there among all the aggressively over-caffeinated chipper, young entrepreneurs. You just bump into someone and say, we should start a company. (laughs) What might that be? Oh, I don't know. That's so true. That's the idea. That's the idea. So I'm going to go back once a week for the rest of my life and be on that social stair because I need friends (laughs) and I definitely want to get involved in the tech community. So these are some of my thoughts. The back of the building facing north of downtown where the parking lot is has a beautiful outdoor space. I think that will be well used and well loved. Last night it was um, well guarded by a security guard in a truck. Okay, so back to the question at hand. Why doesn't everybody like this place? Ion's website describes the building as a, quote, nucleus for innovation, creation, inclusion, exploration. Basically, for all the I-O-N-S's. So, uh... I wanted to focus on inclusion. Mm. Oh, Marcus, you're making that noise. Can a building be inclusive? I, I don't know that a building can, like, that doesn't, I don't know that a building can foster include. I, I don't know that how I feel about that terminology. Um, I think that, for me, inclusion, specifically around diversity, is something that's intentionally done. So I think that, like, I I mean, what programs are in there for um, people of color to get into tech? What are funding sources for women companies to um, get started, seed funded? So, I mean, I think if that is what is being meant by inclusion, and I went on their website, I see that there are different programs that they're doing. I don't see that that's like directly related to getting funding. So that's that's what happens, what the humans are doing inside it, not the building. And then there's like that other ION, you know, what goes on outside the building. Gentrification is a big thing. Um, Alan, you have thoughts. Yeah, I, I do. 
Yeah, there's another ION word, right, that kind of goes along with gentrification. Extraction is another one, annihilation. These are interesting words to think about. There are a lot of words around the ION, and some of them have uh, meaning, and some, I think, are, are meaningless. So let's talk about the ION. What are people's objections to it? All of this I've read mostly in reporting, so I think I would want to credit Houston Chronicle reporter Dylan McGinnis, who's been on the story. Emma Whalen has done some good reporting. But again, it's all coming from community organizers. They formed a, a coalition, the HCEDD. Which stands for what? <laughs> Which is a mouthful. Uh, oh, geez, the Houston Coalition for Equitable Development Without Displacement. And they're concerned about the historical relationship between a university founded by a slave owner and a historically black community. There's a statue of a slave owner in the middle of the, the founder's court hmm. at Rice. At the university, right, not at the ION. They, they don't have any slave owner statues <laughs> at the right. ION. Okay. And is this like a historically black site? That Sears was built for white people, right? Well, it's in Third Ward. It's now called Midtown because it's been choked off by freeways. 288 and okay. I-45 and 59 slicing right through it. And what is Third Ward? I mean, when I try to figure out what the boundaries are, I have a hard time. I, the historic boundary, I think, was Main Street, which is this is right on. And, like, I think it includes the Texas Medical Center. I, yeah, I think parts of it are the Medical Center, right? Yeah, and it doesn't include TSU. So, like, the historically black part of town, we're calling Third Ward, but... Yeah, I mean, like, the Project Row Houses, the, the heart of the Third Ward, right? I mean, that didn't really... It was beyond the boundaries of the original city council, things that were disbanded in 1906. So (laughs) Third Ward is, it's a way to claim identity. Absolutely. I think it's it's the neighborhood that, that most folks think about as the heart of Houston's black community. The first Juneteenth celebration was there, not far from the Ion. Jack Yates, he had been enslaved and he pulled money together and bought that park for Juneteenth. It's an amazing history. Rice has been, you know, reckoning with its own history of exclusion of, of black people who wanted to study there. Was segregated, what, until the 60s? Yep. Yeah, so there's some, you know, I, I'm just sort of repeating all this second, third-hand history, but I, I, I do think that this history is at the heart of the disagreement between uh, the community-led organization and Rice Management Company, the developer. They saw a community benefits agreement which would have led to funding for affordable housing. They were interested in making sure that job opportunities came their way and that they would pay a living wage. And they were also interested on their website, they, t- they talked a little bit about wanting uh, Rice's help to shore up some public sites that are historically significant in that community. I was told this morning that the mayor's office had asked Rice Management Company to do a community benefits agreement for the whole city, <laughs> which is not really how it ought to work. So Rice gave the city $15 million for affordable housing. It's not very much money, especially when you consider that Rice got $65 million from the Midtown Tours to do streets and sidewalks and a parking garage. So there's a lot of money changing hands, and I think the concern is that the folks who have been left out are being left out. Yes. Continue to be, yeah. And bypassed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I, you know, I think they're, they're right to feel antagonized. Rice is leaving this headline on the table. University that excluded black people from attending, founded by a slave owner, strikes unique 
benefits agreement with Houston's historic black community. That's, that's the headline that was left on the table. Wow. I think that's nail on the head. Like that just, like the way you just broke it down, nail on the head for me, because I, it just seems like you're saying disingenuous, um, just terrible for a historically black community that um, again, it just seems like it went up and then there's just, there's no access. I just don't feel like there's access in the, in, in the black community or awareness of ways that um, black tech innovators can connect. I know of one black guy who was trying to start some type of incubator um, in third ward off Scott, but I think it kind of fell through. But I mean, I think that had he known about something like this, or if that was open, it was even an option for him, maybe he would, you know, it'd be, it, it, I don't know, that just the way you broke it down for, it was fantastic. I just, it is sad. You use that word intentionality, Marcus. And so I think that it will be, you know, a year from now, we'll be able to see how much intentionality is behind these LED boards that say inclusion. You know, on our tour, we did see a lot of what eventually will be the building's programs, its guts, you know, and they did have some offices that they wanted to reserve for nonprofits and social services. We met a woman who runs a consulting firm trying to get women and folks who haven't always been able to have a seat at the table. You know, now they're able to build, build their own tables. And so we'll see if, if the ION really is intentional about engaging Yates High School or folks up in Acres Homes or down in Sunnyside, you know, all these sort of communities that have been barricaded from participation for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Redlining and freeways and exposure to pollution, all this stuff adds up. So on that tour, we did see down in the basement, there are going to be social services for people who are homeless. There are going to be like programs for non-white students who want to get into tech. They were being intentional about that. The programs weren't there yet. So, you know, I think they are conscious that they need to be doing something. And I guess the question is, is it enough? Is it enough? That's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Depends on who's asking and it depends on who's answering. You know, but they really did just take the sticker off the building. It's so new. It's not, it's not even finished. So maybe a conversation like this will, will be heard, may nudge that intentionality to go deeper into the city. Ultimately, Rice, Rice's future is connected with the city, right? All right, y'all, real quick, just a fun thing to end with. What is something in Houston that you are loving right now? I'm going to start with you, Marcus, because Alan doesn't love much, and he'll, he's going to have to think. <laughs> um, something in Houston that I am loving right now. I am loving Blue Dorn. Like, it is my thing. It's my restaurant. And to me, it's one of the best dining experiences in Houston right now. And so um, today is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. So I'm actually going to go there for a happy hour and have they, they, um, they change their menu, and they have, like, one of the best Mai Tais in the city outside of Lalo. And so I'm going to go and, um, yeah, have a Mai Tai. All right. Okay. Alan, what is something that makes you happy in Houston? Are you ever happy? Come on. Well, there's a whole history about my happiness, Lisa, that we have to dig into. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am happy. Um, My favorite thing to do in Houston is ride or walk. And so, you know, yesterday I had rode a B-cycle and just looked at stuff, and I, I do feel I do feel happy that that that's my favorite thing. I guess I guess that's it's it's moving through a city that sort of frustrates and enchants. That's a it's a and it's an experience that uh, for me is unique to this place. 
It's tricky, though, because you have to sort of make sure you're always looking up at buildings and also down to avoid potholes and other debris that might send you flying off the handlebars. Hey, y'all. Dina dropping in to tell you about some stories I've been following. There's a doctor at Houston Methodist Hospital that was suspended for tweeting about her issue with vaccine mandates. She even went as far as saying that she was going to shift her focus onto treating unvaccinated patients. And then in another one of her tweets, she promoted the use of ivermectin. Y'all, that's a drug used to kill parasites in animals and humans. Neither the FDA nor the Center for Disease Control and Prevention have approved or recommended ivermectin as a COVID treatment. Houston Methodist has got this whole Twitter thread that y'all should definitely check out about Dr. Mary Bowden and how her tweets are, quote, harmful to the community, end quote. And can not forget about Trey the Truth, y'all. Houston legend, award-winning rapper, humanitarian, icon. He was awarded the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award by President Joe Biden himself. Come on, y'all, that's pretty freaking neat. And if you're new to Houston, Trey the Truth is kind of known in our city as being a sort of like first responder when there's ever been a tragedy or a natural disaster. He kind of jumps in and really gives back to the community. He's also co-owner of Howdy Homemade Ice Cream and Katie for all you sweet tooths out there. All right, that's it for me. Dina out. That's it for CityCast Houston today. This episode was produced by Farrell Gibbs. Dina Kesbe is our senior producer, and I'm your host, Lisa Gray. Our music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. In this morning's CityCast newsletter, we ran a photo of the Ion and links for more information about it. If you're not already subscribing, you're missing out. Sign up at houston.citycast.fm. And hey, if you enjoy this show, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us stars. Tell your friends. We'll be back Thursday with more news and interesting stuff from around Houston. Talk with you then. Yay! We're done. All right.